Welcome to the Sunrise Podcast, powered by Sunrise Labs. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Sunrise Podcast. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. On the podcast today, we're going to be discussing outsourcing product development and the potential pitfalls and also the keys to doing it effectively. And joining me to talk about this is Lauren Noel, the VP of Business Development at Sunrise Labs. Lauren, thank you so much for joining me today. My, my pleasure, Tyler. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely, absolutely. So after 27 years of being in business and hundreds and hundreds of projects delivered, Sunrise has a lot of experience in this area, right? So with that, I'm sure comes some wisdom on best practices. Is that right? Absolutely. Um, I think one of the things that we really pride ourselves on as an organization is uh, continuous improvement. And so we really take that to heart. It's, of course, part of what comes with the ISO certification that we work under, which is the ISO 13485, important really for medical product development. But as part of that, really continuous improvement. So always looking at what are we doing in the way we work with clients? How can we do that work more efficiently, more effectively? Are there things that we need to think about to make sure we're delivering the best services we can to meet our client needs. Yeah, absolutely. And when we talk about kind of delivering that exceptional service, delivering the right product for what your your customers want, I I would imagine that um, getting off on the right foot and having everyone on the same page is huge to the success of a project overall. So what do those initial conversations and communications look like when you first receive a new project and you're trying to get off on that right foot? Yeah, that's a great question, Tyler, because it's something we talk about a lot here at Sunrise. I, I think there's a couple things that we look at. One of them certainly is trying to look at the nature of the project and make sure the process that we're thinking about for product development is a good fit. There's a wide variety of projects that we see here in terms of the technical challenges as well as the business challenges that our clients are trying to meet. So we look at, for instance, is it a program with a fairly well understood technology fairly well understood path to get from the entry point to the completed product, whatever that may mean for the client. In that case, um, a traditional waterfall type product development process probably is a, a good choice. We, however, see quite a few programs come in where there's a lot of TBDs, things really still needing to be understood, things need needing to be better defined to be able to lay a solid foundation to build the product development program around. In those types of projects, we most typically would recommend um, a much more agile, iterative type of approach to the clients for how we'd like to manage their project. There's certainly pros and cons to both of those, but I think that's a key difference in terms of thinking about the nature of the project, what you're trying to achieve, again, on the project, both in the technology Mm -hmm. and the business, and think about what really will work best to meet those project needs. Yeah, that's a great point. And I think kind of just as you're saying that, what, what came up in my mind was that I, I'm sure on, on some level, every project is slightly different, right? So how do you approach each project as its own unique thing while also not reinventing the wheel every time, if that makes sense? Absolutely. Yeah. Because of the number of projects that we've done through the years, is there's a lot of both knowledge that our team has developed around developing medical products in general, and then specifically a lot of the 
um, challenges of particular segments where we specialize, for instance, in cardiovascular, uh, robotic surgeries. There's a lot of areas of specialization that our team has very deep experience. And I think that being able to leverage some of that experience is always interesting to our clients and, and valuable to the program to be able to help reduce risk because anytime that you're starting with something that's reasonably well understood or um, perhaps even developed and tested as a module or an aspect of a program that reduces program risk. And anytime you reduce program risk, you're also reducing schedule and, and budget risk. So those those are the kind of things clients like to hear. And, and one of the things that I think we really bring to product development because of the years of experience that the company has um, been doing product development as well as the breadth and depth of the engineering capabilities on our team here at Sunrise. Um, really, we have um, a very experienced team and I think it's really looking at the um, makeup of the team that you need to apply to a project and, and whether it's Sunrise or another design firm. I mean, this this a lot of these principles certainly apply um, as product development in general across many different types of projects, but also working with many different design firms. I think those principles still hold true. That's a great point, what you mentioned there about team members, because having the right team, having the right members of a team really makes a huge difference as, as well, right? So, so it's, it's important to make sure that you have those team members that can carry out a project. So those years of experience when it comes to the engineering and the things that you need to really completely fulfill what a client is looking for. Right. There's um, one thing that we've seen in some projects and a, a tip I'd also like to share with the audience is around the nature of the project. We talked about um, projects that are pretty well defined versus those with a lot of TBDs. The other aspect of that is the nature of the engagement that a client might be considering. We see many cases where the client has a lot of in-house resources to bring to bear to a program. So they're not necessarily looking to outsource the complete development effort, but they're looking for a partner who can really bolster those areas of either technical knowledge or experience that they may not have or maybe shorthanded on internally. So what we've sometimes seen is in those cases where there's going to be a division of responsibility and, and shared responsibility really in executing on that product development program is looking to understand who at the client company would be tasked with coordinating that effort. Um, we like to think of that individual most typically as a system engineer um, and in that system engineering role, really having somebody who's both technical and of a seniority and experience level that they're in a position to help drive and make those trade-off decisions between different modules or different aspects of the program um, as they come together because there's ultimately going to always be trade-offs in those product development programs. So having that technical resource on the client side in those situations is really critical. Um, certainly we can apply system engineering to a program, um, and, and that often works best when we're also responsible for the overall program development. But again, it's a point to really just look at who that individual is, whether they're on the client side or the design, outsource design 
team side and understand really the roles and responsibilities well as you really start to think about the program. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're talking about that, it strikes me just that that communication and collaboration is really, really important, just having that that person and having that relationship with them to be able to go back and forth on a project. And it feels like, you know, communication is obviously so vital, but not all communication is created equal, right? There's communication that's obviously going to be better than others. So what makes uh, positive communication between two groups that are trying to collaborate on a project, uh, rather than just noise, what is effective communication, I suppose, is really the heart of my question. Oh, yeah. No, communication is so key. That's that's something we talk about a lot here. Um, I think it really starts with setting expectations. We talked a little bit about expectations, but one of the ways that we try to capture those expectations at sunrise and to make sure that everybody is on the same page with regard to roles and responsibilities as you start a program is using um, something called the RACI model, which um, is a method to really identify roles and responsibilities. And you can do that down a full task list to identify who's going to need to be informed of decisions, who's really responsible for those decisions, who might be consulted on those decisions and who needs to approve those decisions, um, not necessarily in those orders, but those, those, um, those are really what make up a racy model. And going through that whole process of um, defining who's really responsible for those different aspects, I think is important for the, the program from the beginning. And then revisiting that, you know, really not just saying, okay, you know, that's it. We move forward. I think just doing a little bit of a check on that through the course of a program, um, making sure that nothing has changed in terms of how the work is being done. And and the other big thing there is certainly um, trying to make sure from an early stage of the program that you understand who the key stakeholders are in the program. Um, there's often many different voices that influence um, a product through its life cycle. So Certainly understanding, again, um, you know, from the marketing perspective, the technical team, the manufacturing team, um, the sales team in terms of that, that field experience, and certainly, of course, the executive team in, in a company, because there's often different and sometimes conflicting um, interests across those um, individuals. So really making sure you understand at an early stage of the program who those stakeholders are, what's important to them, and really trying to balance what sometimes can be conflicting needs or expectations. Um, and then, you know, the other thing about effective communication that we talk about a lot here is um, utilizing what we call, and which again is known, and this is something that has been written about, is assumption of positive intent. And Assumption of positive intent is really a way of thinking and something that we practice here at Sunrise. And I say practice because it takes work. It takes reminding yourself um, that you need to approach a, pro a, a problem or an issue with an assumption of positive intent. And it basically is seeing an issue that perhaps you don't understand why someone has taken actions or you really are struggling to imagine why the decision that was made is the right decision. It's about going to that individual that is making that statement or making that decision 
with an assumption of positive intent, which means that you approach it expecting that they did so for the right reasons and with good rationale. And so really approaching it that way and asking them about what that decision process was, it keeps the communication really at a much more positive interaction and level in and helps to really, in our experience, reduce conflicts and defensiveness, which can occur in, in situations where people have different viewpoints by really opening up a conversation about an understanding of the process that somebody may have made a decision on, which perhaps you don't agree with at the outset, but hopefully you may um, align through those conversations. Actually, our, our president talks a lot about um, an individual he knows and holds in high esteem and has uh, that individual on his wrist has tattooed um, the words, I may be wrong, because I think, again, it's you know, keeping that open mind, not a, approaching a situation thinking you're right and your way is the only way, but having that open mind is, is really important for how we work here. Yeah, that's a great point, and I'm really glad you brought that up, actually, because I uh, I did a podcast with your president, Eric Soderberg, uh, back, I think, in the spring, oh, where we just talked about that's the right. company culture Yeah, there at Sunrise Labs, and it's fantastic to see that that's not just an internal thing, but that also shapes and guides and directs how you interact with outside clients as well. Um, that that, enti- that it, I guess it's a 360-degree view of how to do business and how to treat others. It's just that it's assumption of positive intent, like you mentioned, and that's really, really good to hear. Yeah, and it's interesting because it, it, it does also tie very directly into the whole product development process. So, for instance, um, we had a situation where a client, you know, very big com- medical device company, very, very knowledgeable and experienced team, had done some great work. They'd set the requirements for the product. They had developed an architecture. They had selected certain technology choices. And they asked us to come in and review those choices. So in looking at those areas that we would have done differently, um, it was interesting because here's a client that has done great work and asking us to review this information. But I Frankly, I think not necessarily expecting that we would disagree with the choices they made, but I think it was through some really interesting dialogue and meetings to say, we want to understand why you were thinking about that particular software architecture or those particular technology choices that you have chosen. And through that discussion, gaining their perspective, and then also being able to share with them, here are some things we would suggest you consider because our team has done so much work with such a wide range of technologies through so many years that our exposure is much broader than often many of our clients who, again, you know, very bright, very knowledgeable about product development and and very knowledgeable about their products, but they just don't have necessarily the same experience to stay up to date with emerging and evolving technologies and specifically not having that hands-on experience on working with some of those different technologies, which um, has been helpful. But, you know, it's really approaching even those situations with an assumption that there were good reasons they chose those choices. Let's talk about those and then 
share some thoughts and see if there's other things that might be worth considering. Yeah, yeah, I really like that approach, and I think that that's um, that that's absolutely fantastic. So, one of the things that uh, I- I'm wondering now is, so if a company is listening to this and they are thinking through, okay, should we work with an outside team on product development or not? What are some of the benefits to working with an outside team uh, when it comes to product development? Can you walk me through some of those? Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think that. Um, one of the, the key things certainly is the opportunity to take advantage of knowledge that your in-house team may not have and also potentially to often to accelerate schedules. Um, our clients, for instance, we, we're doing a lot of work these days in wireless connectivity, a lot of Bluetooth, Bluetooth low energy based um, wireless designs. And on the surface, um, I think everybody thinks, oh, yeah, you know, you just buy a Bluetooth module and drop that in. But in fact, there's a tremendous amount to that in terms of the requirements, um, in terms of Bluetooth technology implementation and design. And having had that experience, um, I think that's an area we could help accelerate working with clients in collaboration if they have that as part of their design as well as you know that certainly expend, extends across many other areas motors motor controls um you know miniaturization there's a lot of hot topic areas that um, clients often are really looking for somebody that's been there done that had that experience to be able to help accelerate their program um you know the, the one thing that we really caution um potential clients and clients is to not um, necessarily and hopefully to not come in with the idea that they're just going to be able to put that whole project on our plate and walk away. Um, You know, most clients do, but I'm surprised that sometimes there are clients that, you know, they're, they're considering outsourcing for a pretty common reason. They're way too busy. They can't get to this themselves, but yet it's a really important program. But, too often, um, they don't think about allocating some time to be able to support their outside team, a team like Sunrise. And that can lead to um, delays, which again, can impact both schedule and budget. So I, I think that's one of the things that clients should consider if they're considering outsourcing, um, to make sure they do have some bandwidth, enough of the right bandwidth relative to what they're trying to outsource to make sure they can keep their outsource partner effective and and working efficiently. Yeah, I think that's a good word of, uh, I guess, caution almost, just so that people are aware of that, that that is the case, right? That there is going to be time that needs to be dedicated to making sure that the project is going the way that they would like for it to go, right? And so I think that that's a good word of caution. Are there any other potential pitfalls that you've experienced that you've seen over the years uh, that people should be aware of when they enter into a uh, you know an outside uh, product development team uh, relationship? Are there any of those other uh, pitfalls that people should be aware of or look out for? There, there are. I, I think one of the things we hear about a lot, and I think, frankly, I think a lot of clients are, are getting more and more savvy about outsourcing, and I'm happy for that because I, I see more and more clients asking some of these really important questions. Um, and if they're not asking these questions, I try to encourage them to think about them as part of the process of looking at outsourcing and the type of partner that they choose. But, you know, what is the makeup of the team that will actually work on your project? I think certainly 
it's hard for you know a company like Sunrise to necessarily guarantee from an early stage. I mean, clients will come to us and say, if I do this project in six months, who's who's going to be the team that you'll put on it? Well, you know, a lot can change in six months. Um, we're, we're lucky to have very low turnover. So likely all the same people will be here, but it's it's a matter of matching up the right team to the project and looking at that relative to their schedule. But really, you know, understanding who those team members are and who is likely to be at least the key team members that will be assigned to your team, that, that I think is really important. Um, and then also understanding um, how the project is being estimated. Um, you know, I think that our team tends to put a lot of work and a lot of thought into developing an estimate for a project and um, tend to be fairly comprehensive and thorough in terms of how we think about product development. And unfortunately, we've seen cases where uh, mother firms just really don't understand what will be needed for um, aspects of the design, for instance, everything from very early um, gaining the appropriate user input through the whole process of verifying um, and validation of software and, and other design aspects. And we really encourage clients to try to think about that product development in a pretty holistic way. Again, whether or not we're personally responsible for it, I think it's important that they try to have a, a reasonable understanding of what it's really going to take. Um, you know, certainly most of the large medical product companies that we work with have a good sense of that. They've developed a lot of products. It's um, some of the startup companies that we um, we talk to and we really try to educate because we really don't want to see somebody just spending money on something that they can't develop and fund based on, you know, unfortunately, sometimes a mistaken expectation of the money it will take to do so. So I think you know, trying to share that realistic expectation of what it's going to take for product development. And then also, uh, you know, manufacturing, manufacturing ramp and marketing. I, I think sometimes companies, particularly startups, get really excited about the product development, but they don't necessarily think through the whole process of, okay, so, um, you know, what's my sales and distribution channel? And hopefully they've thought before, you know, at the very earliest stages of product development, Who's going to buy this? What are they going to pay for it? Um, and what's important to those um, potential customers? Because that, that, again, is part for us, part of the foundation. But I'm sometimes surprised at some of the products and projects that I see that it seems that really haven't given enough attention to those kind of questions until quite late in the development project, Um and as I'd mentioned earlier, the later you start to think about those things and perhaps need to change course because of new information, the more impactful those changes will be to project cost, time, and and potentially features. You know, if uh, a client has been working on a program that um, they need to change course midstream, sometimes, unfortunately, it's a matter of having to cut back on features to be able to still get to market with um, a less fully functional project because they hadn't put the time in up front to really understand the priorities and what it's going to take to get through that. 
Wow, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And uh, boy, this podcast has just a lot of experience and a lot of wisdom behind it uh, when it comes to outsourcing product development. So Lauren Noel, VP of Business Development at Sunrise Labs, thank you so much for joining me today here on the Sunrise Podcast and uh, sharing uh, sharing a little bit more about this. My great pleasure, Tyler. Thank you so much for um, having me and, and for the insightful questions. And thank you, everybody, so much for listening to this episode of the podcast. Be sure to go subscribe on iTunes or Spotify to get the latest episodes downloaded directly to your device. And we're going to be back soon with another episode of the Sunrise Podcast. But until then, I've been your host, Tyler Kern. Thank you so much for listening.